Hey, Shanna, did you know that you can purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore? Yes. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But with Libro FM, you get to search up your local indie bookstore and support them instead. And if you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to squeeze more reading into your busy life. I constantly have a book in my ear because cleaning the house or exercising is so much more fun while reading. Sign up for Libro.fm and use the code GOODBOOKS to get two books instead of one for the price of your first month's membership. Good books. Good books. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Best Book Club podcast. I'm Shanna. And I'm Jen. And this week is book club. June is Pride Month, and to celebrate, we read Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. Before we get into the book, though, you may have noticed that we haven't put out a new episode for a few weeks. We did update on Facebook and Instagram, but in case you missed it, Shanna had her baby. I did. I had an eight pound, three ounce baby boy. We named him William, and he's absolutely perfect. So cute. He's pretty cute. <laughs> um, so after a week of busting her butt like a badass with editing and a newborn, we decided to change things up for a little bit because you, Shanna, deserve a break. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and you deserve to have as much time as possible with that teeny tiny little baby because really they're only that little for such a short time. I know, he's already huge. Yeah. Uh, we will be going down to just our book club episodes for the summer because, yeah, it, wow, wow, it's a lot with all of these kids. Oh, speak of the devil. But we will still be working behind the scenes, reading, and making new episodes so that we can get back to a more regular schedule in September. Yeah, don't worry. We're still here. We're still doing the thing. We're just, we're having a little summer vacation. Yes. Uh, so since we don't get a chance to talk about it every week right now, why don't we let everyone know what we're reading? Um, so I'm watching Loki, <laughs> and I just finished watching WandaVision, because my reading, oh man, it's, oh, it's not so hard. It's so hard. It, yeah, pretty much impossible. I am trying to read Malibu Rising. I have gotten a little bit into that, but otherwise, yeah, reading is not happening over in this house. <laughs> How about you? Uh, well, yeah, I'm also reading Malibu Rising um, by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It's her new book, guys. So definitely pick it up and check it out. It is uh, a bit of a different vibe because we're talking about like some rich surfer families, but it's kind of shaping up to be, you know, just as rich in character and story as uh, Daisy Jones and Evelyn Hugo. So I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. It's, I don't know if it's my favorite, but we'll see. I'm not very far, but yeah, I've been finding that it's pretty easy to fall into when I do get a chance to read it. So I am looking forward to actually having a chunk of time to get that read. Yeah. I'm also listening to actually Daisy Jones at the same time. Um, just kind of turned out to be a coincidence. And uh, it's also amazing. Again, I've already read it, obviously, but... Just as good the second time, and also I've now found that Evelyn Hugo, Daisy Jones, and um, Malibu Rising are all like written in the same kind of universe. So I love that. Yeah, it's it's makes it so 
fun. So we got crossover characters, and it's like, not anything like, well, there's one that's pretty huge, but just like little things that I'm especially catching on to because I'm listening to Daisy Jones at the same time. So I'm like, hey, I recognize that name or I recognize that fake band that they're talking about. Just like <laughs> little fun things. So uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. If anyone has not dove into Taylor Jenkins read yet, you're missing out. So just get on that train. Absolutely. Okay, I also, before we get into the book, I want to do just like a really quick shout out. Um, I heard the story on the news a few weeks ago about a Ricky's store in Edmonton, Alberta. So a man called them up and said, I'm a man that enjoys dressing in women's clothing. Am I welcome in your store? The employee that he talked to was like, so heartbroken for him. And when she was talking about it in the interview, she was just like choking up and then I was choking up. <laughs> But she was just so upset that he had to, he felt like he had to call and ask that kind of question. So the store just wanted to make sure that everyone knew that they were welcome to shop there. And they even offered the opportunity for private shopping before or after close if someone was uncomfortable shopping during regular hours. And I just thought it was such a great story and it brought tears to my eyes. This is a problem that characters in this book are faced with, and it's one of many problems that trans people, especially trans women, are faced with. And I thought that it was just so amazing of them to come forward and let everyone know that they are safe there. So bravo, Ricky's in Edmonton. Bravo. Okay, so Tori Peters. Let's learn a little bit about this author. She has a Master of Fine Arts from the University of Iowa, as well as a Master's of Comparative Literature from Dartmouth. She lives in both Brooklyn and in an off-the-grid cabin in Vermont, which is awesome. So cool. <laughs> I will never say this book title. <laughs> I don't even understand how it's supposed to be said, but... <laughs> I'm sure it's not the way I say it. Well, we should really insert a clip of uh, oh. how, how you say it. I will. Here it is. Detransition, baby. <laughs> yeah, hang loose. Let's all detransition. It's a party. Like, it, have you watched Awesome Powers? Not, not in about twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a much different Awesome Powers impersonation than that. Okay, so apparently that's wrong. <laughs> so forgive me, but Detransition Baby is her debut novel, but she is also the author of two novellas called Infect Your Friends and Loved Ones and also The Masker that are actually available on her website for free or by donation. Detransition Baby was long listed for the 2021 Women's Prize for Fiction and made Tori Peters the first trans woman to make the list, which is amazing. Yeah, I was bummed that it didn't make the shortlist, though I can I can see why it didn't. But also, I think that if this book would have won the prize, it would have just given such a big platform to speak from. Although just with the recognition it's got, so many more people are already reading it and talking about it and being educated on a perspective that at least I'm not familiar with. So it's great. Um, also, I was going to mention her two novellas can also be ordered in paperback oh. from bookstores. So Yes, good to know. Also, Detransition Baby was one of the first books written by an openly trans woman to be picked up by one of the big five publishers. 
Penguin Random House specifically, uh, which is also awesome. Uh, For those of you who haven't read this book yet, here's the synopsis. Reese almost had it all. A loving relationship with Amy, an apartment in New York City, a job she didn't hate. She has scraped together what previous generations of trans women could only dream of. A life of mundane, bourgeois comfort. (laughs) My my stupid brain sees the word, oh, damn it, not again. Yeah, version (laughs) (laughs) y'all. The only thing missing was a child. But then her girlfriend, Amy, detransitioned and became Ames, and everything fell apart. Now Reese is caught in a self-destructive pattern, avoiding her loneliness by sleeping with married men. Ames isn't happy either. He thought detransitioning to live as a man would make life easier, but that decision cost him his relationship with Reese, and losing her meant losing his only family. Even though their romance is over, he longs to find a way back to her. When Ames's boss and lover, Katrina, reveals that she's pregnant with his baby, and that she's not sure whether she wants to keep it, Ames wonders if this is the chance he's been waiting for. Could the three of them form some kind of unconventional family and raise the baby together? I feel like the synopsis is not a very good representation of the actual story. No? I mean, maybe. I feel like it it's slightly misleading. I I think it's a bit tame. Yes. Like, yeah, it's a little downplayed, maybe. Like, it's what happens. It, yes, I suppose it's not lying to you. I don't, I, just, I don't know that him detransitioning was the only thing that cost him his relationship with Reese. <laughs> no, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and we'll talk. Yes, uh, we'll get yeah. there. <laughs> no, I, I definitely see. I, I see. I see what you're saying for sure. Um, before we get into it, I also just wanted to make a quick, quick note about the language. Uh, in the book, Tori Peters uses the word transsexual a lot. And at first, I was really taken aback because I thought that the word transsexual was offensive. And no one I know who is trans uses it. I wasn't sure if it was like a Canada versus US type thing, but I heard her say in an interview that she has actually got a lot of questions about it. And she says that she didn't think about it and that her circle of friends, uh, they use the word all the time and it's not offensive to them. But also transsexual is only offensive, I guess, because people have used it in an offensive way. Technically, the term transgender is an umbrella term that encompasses everyone that might fall under it. But you can be transgender and not be a transsexual because that term is used to describe people who physically transition to another gender. Anyways, all of that to say, we probably still won't use the word while describing the book just because we don't want to accidentally offend anyone if they are as taken aback as I was. Uh, So before we get into spoilers, what are your general thoughts on the book? Uh, And what would you rate it? Though I wanted you to read it so we could talk about it. I definitely didn't expect you to like it. But I thought that maybe you might find it interesting, at least like I did. I'm glad to know I'm not the only sadistic one out there who's like, oh, you're gonna not like this book. Read it, please. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I I, I feel a little bad, but also not at all. Uh, It's great. Not the book. I don't like the book. But (laughs) you know me so well jen i didn't love this book i didn't even really like it honestly um it had its moments for sure and i did like getting a perspective that i'm not familiar with at all but the actual story was very much not to my taste i found that it kind of bounced back and forth between being boring and crude which i feel like i could say and not feel bad about if it was not like 
I don't mean crude in like a bad way. I just mean like it got so much so quickly, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was like a little bit jarring. There was kind of like two stories going on a little bit, it felt like. Yeah, I was like reading a story and then all of a sudden it got like a lot of sex, really heavy. And then it would kind of go away again. And it really, it gave me kind of whiplash. Yeah. Like sex in books doesn't bother me. So that, yeah, that's not what I mean. But harmful and toxic relationships, those get on my nerves. And that really is what this book was the entire time. It also had so much drama that I just couldn't relate to or find very realistic. I know it seems counterintuitive for me to say I found it boring. And then in the next breath to say it had lots of drama. But it wasn't the kind of drama I like. There were bright spots for sure. But overall, it just, it wasn't something I enjoyed reading. So I'm going to give it two and a half stars. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all, actually. (laughs) Like, yeah, I do feel kind of bad that you had to read it. But also, like, I think you also knew what you were getting into. Yes. Which actually helped me to go in with a bit more of an open mind. Like, I think if I had just read the synopsis and picked it up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would have thrown that book out so fast. I would have quit. I would have quit. But knowing that you wanted me to actually read it, that it actually had like something to it, kept me going. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I mean, drama does bore you. So I could see what you mean by the drama being boring. I, on the other hand, enjoy a bit of drama. But I do agree that all of these relationships were awful and toxic. Um, I was a little bit hesitant to put it in for book club because I could see that there would be some very mixed reviews. But when I thought about the other books that we might read, I just thought that this one would produce a better discussion than some of the other LGBTQ books that I have read that seem to focus more on like romance. And I mean, maybe I just haven't really read enough, but um, I feel like this book brought up a lot of issues that trans women face. And I feel like we get a lot of stories that are like scrubbed clean for comfort. And I kind of appreciated feeling uncomfortable in this one a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was definitely not for the faint of heart. There is a lot of sex, and I could see it being quite shocking. (laughs) Uh, I think they would describe it as like clutching your metaphorical pearls, (laughs) which I was a lot of the time. Um, But I also really enjoyed the experience. I think that she did a really great job of opening up a world that we as cis white women don't get to see and then explaining it in a way that we can understand. And I know that these women's stories aren't indicative of all trans women's stories, but I do think that it's a really important perspective to get. I honestly didn't love the plot with Reese and Ames and Katrina. I actually preferred the peripherals of the story, but all in all, I would definitely still give it four stars. And I'm actually quite interested in her novellas as well. And I think I might, you know, try out anything she puts out in the future. Okay, so we're going to get into the plot of this book. So from this point on, this episode will contain spoilers. So the timeline bounces around a lot in this book. Chapter one starts with one month after conception, and then it bounces like eight years before conception. So I feel like I've said this before in this podcast, but I am really enjoying this format in my reading lately, where we like jump around in time. I love the feeling of getting little pieces of the puzzle and then having them all come together in the end. Yes, it's one of my favorite styles of storytelling. 
So the first character we meet is Reese, and she is wondering why married men seem to be the ones most attracted to her. Is it because her choices as a trans woman are more limited, or is it because married men feel like they can experiment with her since they already have a wife nailed down? What I do know is that those married men suck. Yeah. Her newest married man is HIV positive, and this excites her because she's always looking for female experiences and things to make her feel feminine. And having sex with a man who is HIV positive is the closest she can get to that constant chance of becoming pregnant every time a cis woman has sex. There is a little bit of danger, thrill, and recklessness to it. Which I totally get. I remember that monthly fear and then relief when I was younger. (laughs) But also, I feel like getting HIV is a bit more risky. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Although, I guess they have treatments for it now, so it's not the death sentence that it used to be. But still, I guess I think being an 80s baby, like... It was just really ingrained in me from a young age how dangerous it is, and I guess it's hard to shed that. It's also why it's still hugely stigmatized. Yeah, good points. I was going to say the same thing, except I didn't have smart stuff to say after. So, thank goodness you're here. At your service. Whew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Later in the book, they call it AIDS panic, what I was just talking about, and say that it's very outdated thinking, which is true. But I think that when you aren't in it, it's an easy thing to be uneducated about. Anyways, we learn right away that Reese desperately wants to be a mom, and she sees it as the ultimate form of womanhood. She almost had it once when she was dating a trans woman named Amy, and they decided to try adoption. But then Amy detransitioned instead, which means that she stopped her hormones and decided to go back to life living as a man. We find out much later in the book the specific reasons that she chose to do this, but a lot of the time it's because living life as a trans woman is so difficult that some people can't continue doing it, a lot of times for their own physical safety or mental health. Yeah, Detransitioning is something that I'd actually never heard of until I read this book. I do know that the effects of the hormone therapy for male to female is easier to reverse, and that for female to male it's a little more permanent. I I know of people who have had to stop their treatment for other medical reasons, but I had never heard of someone choosing to do it. For the trans people that I know, the thought of having to go back is like the worst thing that they can imagine. So I really appreciated this opportunity to learn about detransition. And apparently it's not very accepted, even in the trans community. Like, I guess they feel it invalidates the progress that they've made and everything that they've strived for and gives the assholes of the world vindication in their minds, like gives them proof that this is a choice that can be made or unmade. Which, to be clear, being trans is not a choice, and you can choose or not choose to live life in a way that fulfills you, but that choice shouldn't be used against a person. I had heard of it, but only in a clickbaity YouTube video title kind of a way, and not in actual life. These aren't the kinds of stories I tend to seek out, and there aren't really ever any trans characters in the books I read. So really, this was the most in-depth I've gone with transitioning or detransitioning in my reading. Uh, And for me... Trans characters are in my wheelhouse. 
I also love an LGBTQ storyline, but I especially love when trans characters show up in books when they're done well. But I realized that I'd never read a book by a trans author, so this was a treat and something I want to search out a little bit more. I do own a few books about trans people that I've picked up semi-recently, but I haven't looked into the authors at all, so I'm going to have to do that. But anyways, Reese is out picking up some Thai food for her date when she gets a call from her ex. It's Ames, or Amy, as he used to be called. He's calling because he got another woman pregnant, and now he says that he needs Reese's help. The woman that Ames got pregnant is his boss, Katrina, and he doesn't know how to feel about it because he knows that he's going to be a father, but also he knows that he can't be a father. He stopped taking estrogen three years ago, but he had believed that he had been on androgen blockers for long enough to have sterilized him. Just gotta accept there's a a babe running around. (sighs) There is also, yes, there is a tiny baby sleeping, and there is a big baby running around. It's just, guys... It's just how it is. I'm sorry. Um, He didn't know that it was even possible to impregnate someone, but also, despite the fact that he detransitioned, he is still transgender. He had wanted to be a mother, not a father, and he can't reconcile that. He and Katrina have been dating for a while, but he never told her that he had once lived as a woman, though he did tell her he was sterile. She assumes that he had a vasectomy, and he corrects her and tries to explain it without having to come out to her, But it doesn't work, and he has no choice but to tell her. It doesn't go well. She completely loses it and accuses him of deceiving her. I I mentioned a bunch of times how toxic all of the relationships are. (laughs) I missed out mentioning that actually you shouldn't sleep with your boss. Yeah, there's also that. That's a problem Mm -hmm. with the relationship for sure. Yeah. Um, I can understand finding out about this being quite the shock, but I feel like considering how she ends up feeling later and she like comes out as queer eventually, her reaction to this news was a bit much and also quite mean. It really made me not like her right from the get-go, and I wanted to like her, so that was disappointing. I guess at this point she didn't have a word or label for who she was, and maybe Ames coming out forced her to face that. Like, I don't know. He actually loved her, and they had a pretty good relationship like despite the whole boss thing um i just think she probably could have and should have done better yeah absolutely i can see her being surprised and needing a minute to work it out in her head especially if she had no knowledge or understanding about what aims being detransitioned even means but you're right she was mean about it and she got worse before she got better which is a bummer. Yep. Then Reese meets up with Ames and he tells her about his plan. <laughs> yes, his plan. I read this entire book and I still only feel like 80% sure I understand his plan. Yeah, I feel like basically no logistics were thought about at all. <laughs> like this plan was only like 20% formed. <laughs> um, like how would it even work? I don't know. But here's the plan. Katrina does not want to be a single mother, so if Ames doesn't want to be a father, then she plans on scheduling an abortion. Ames doesn't want to be a father because being a father is such a male role, and he knows that if he has a baby with Katrina, that he will inevitably fall into that gender role. So he asks Reese if she would consider raising the baby with them so she can act as an anchor to his gender identity. He also misses Reese being a part of his family and knows how badly she wants to be a mother. So it's not all about him, but it's mostly about him. In the end, Reese agrees that she is in if Katrina is. (sighs) 
yeah, I can, I can totally see what he's saying about being a father. And I can also see that he is coming from a good place. But like, wow, I could not believe the audacity he had of proposing this, especially because he talked to Reese first. And given the fact that Katrina still isn't taking the news of him being transgender well, like he is very clear that it's Katrina's choice and will respect whatever she chooses. But he feels like with his plan, everyone will get what they want. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing, like everyone and everything is just, uh, I can't even imagine having this proposed to me. Also, I didn't love Katrina's finger hovering over the abortion trigger every time things weren't going her way. It's totally her choice, but it felt weaponized to me a few times. And yeah, maybe it's unfair or just how I read it. I don't know. Yeah, I totally see that. She did weaponize it. She used it as a threat constantly, though she was also clear that she wanted the baby. So like, I just couldn't really make sense of it. <sighs> no. So we go back in time to before Reese meets Amy and she's seeing a man named Stanley. Ugh. Yeah. I don't think we need to give him a whole lot of attention because he's a total ass. But he does play an important part in the story in the end. And he does help show who Reese is and why she is the way she is. Stanley has a thing for trans women. And also he has money. Newly separated from his wife, he moves Reese right into his apartment, generally treats her like crap, and he also starts to beat her. So here we go. Here's one of the many horrible relationships that I honestly couldn't stand reading about and then constantly having to come back to. He's awful. Just absolutely awful. Ugh. The first thing that I wanted to feel was, like, outrage. He fetishized her. He purposefully humiliated her. He treated her like a prostitute a lot of the time. And then he started hitting her. Like, are you kidding? But we hear Reese's side of things, and she explains a lot about how how these things that he does make her feel like a woman, because women are technically weaker, and men can easily overpower us if they want to. So she does things to anger him on purpose, hoping that he will hit her. It is extremely dysfunctional coming from a cis woman perspective, but I can also see what she means. And I also feel sad that there are women who feel like they need to be hit to feel like women. Like, I just think it says a lot about the society we still live in. Yes, I'm definitely looking at it through my own experience. And I just want all women to be safe and loved. And and men. I, I just love safety and love. What can I say? So around the time that she meets Stanley is also when she first meets Amy. She doesn't usually date trans women because she feels like she needs the masculinity to like magnify her femininity, but she's immediately drawn to Amy because she looks a lot like an ex of hers. Uh, they meet, start dating, and then Amy moves Reese out of Stanley's house and into hers just in the middle of the day. Uh, but also the ex of hers was kind of a bag of crap, so what the hell? If I saw somebody who reminded me of a crappy ex, I'd be like, oh, stay away from them. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, Stanley also sucks. And I'm glad she left his ass. Yeah. Uh, this all this totally shows a pattern in the kinds of men she chooses to spend her time with. Although dating for trans women is just, in general, a lot more difficult than for pretty much anyone else. So, so you can't really judge too hard. Yeah. It's very tempting, too, because, oh. Ugh. Oh, it's just so awful. They're so horrible. The, the men, these men are so horrible. 
Yeah. Katrina and Ames have to go away on a business trip. They meet some clients for dinner, and Katrina, though pregnant, gets obnoxiously drunk and then outs Ames for being a former trans woman to the client. Ugh, when I read the scene, I was all sorts of ragey. Same, same. And it did not help with my general dislike of Katrina. Ames took it surprisingly well, though. He was super understanding and forgiving. Like... It's stories like these that really remind me how unforgiving I am, because that would have been an instant no for me. Like, the story would have ended there. Ames just puts her to bed, lets her apologize in the morning, and then explains himself and offers up his plan. Of course, she doesn't take it particularly well, but she asks for time to think about it. I can definitely understand the initial reaction being not that great. She accuses him of treating her like a walking uterus, and that is how it seems, but... He does make it clear that it's 100% her choice and he isn't there to pressure her, but this is how it would work best for him to be a parent. I think that the idea is a bit outrageous and the woman in me was screaming, who the hell does he think he is? But I guess the truth is that I actually kind of love the idea. I'm all for unconventional families as long as the children are loved and cared for properly. And I think that the opportunity for another mother in a parenting situation is super helpful. I agree that children being safe and loved is the most important thing. Remember my love of safety and love? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just a minute ago. <laughs> and I'm also all for unconventional families if they work. What I found really off about this plan is that Katrina doesn't know Reese. Like, I don't think even the length of a pregnancy would be enough time for me to be able to decide that, yeah, okay, I'll raise a child forever with this stranger I mean, it's hardly long enough for us to decide to become friends with someone yeah also ames and reese didn't exactly have a super healthy relationship even when they were actually together no they didn't and i think that their baggage would be a really big hurdle for literally ever yeah i don't know andrew and i were together for nine years before we got married and 10 before we started making babies so, I mean, we're obviously the kinds of people who want to be super, super sure before taking huge steps. So this proposal would very much not fly with me. Totally. I think that a part of it could be that they don't really realize that kids are like actually forever at this point. Um, I mentioned in my review of this book that it reminded me a little bit of, of a queer three men and a baby, except for like, it'd be three women and a baby. <laughs> Uh, in the movie, these three friends end up with a baby and all kind of decide to raise it together. Uh, but there's one scene where they're taking her for a walk in the stroller and they have created this like telescopic handle that extends so they can all push at the same time. And I think that that was what they were envisioning and like no further than that. Yeah. Katrina takes a weekend to think about it and talks to her mom and then realizes that it might actually work. She wants to be with Ames And she wants to make a life with him. She wants the baby, but she also wants to move up in her career. And yeah, having another parent around might be the answer to how she's able to have it all. Uh, So we have a whole chapter that tells us about Amy and how her first sexual encounters went and how they shaped her sexuality and sex life going forward. It doesn't necessarily have a lot to do with the plot of the story, but I thought it was so interesting and it gave us such an intimate insight into how complicated sex can be for some people. And I thought that it was explained so clearly. I did prefer the Ames parts, the Reese parts. They were actually a couple of the bright spots for me in the book. Me too. I enjoyed the Ames slash Amy parts the most too. I think it was because they were the least selfish and Mm self-involved. 
I don't know, both Katrina and Reese's motivations were purely to benefit themselves, but Ames at least considered the other two when he made the plan. Ames gets tickets to the GLAAD Media Awards Gala and invites both Katrina and Reese so that they can have the chance to meet, but also have something else big going on around them so it would help ease any awkwardness that might pop up. (laughs) Might. Might, yeah. I thought that this was actually quite smart and I think also proves a little bit that Ames has a woman's mind because I feel pretty confident in saying that a man would not have considered any of that. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh okay just a little aside i also just really want to point out the reference here to hemingway and his story hills like white elephants reese is reminded of it by the way that ames and katrina acknowledge the pregnancy subtly but don't really talk about it and instead talk about their drinks having read that story i just thought it was clever and it made me laugh um have you ever read any hemingway shadow oh goodness no (laughs) I wouldn't expect you to like his writing at all. Neither would I. <laughs> it's It's been years since I have read any of his books, and I'm curious now how they would stand up to a 34-year-old me as opposed to a 24-year-old me. We'll see. Um, there is also a Gatsby reference later on, which is Fitzgerald, but they were friends. Like, I love it, but I mean, who cares? Oh, yeah, that probably went right over my head, since uh, I have also not read The Great Gatsby. I'm pretty sure they literally say Gatsby. But since you hate it, you probably just glossed over it. You know, I was like, oh, that's something I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, and one more check to not liking this book. Gatsby. (laughs) That's Uh, that's what I knew. So all in all, the meeting between Katrina and Reese goes okay. Katrina has reservations about the whole thing, but it's not off the table. They spend a lot of time talking about what motherhood means to them as cis women, as a trans woman, but also as a mixed race woman, as Katrina is. Uh, Don't think we mentioned that. She's half Chinese. And then why they want to be mothers. I think this is where someone says something to the effect of, we aren't competing in the oppression Olympics, since everyone is comparing who has it the worst. I like that someone in the group called attention to the fact that it isn't a competition and everyone has the crosses to bear. Yeah, I can't control her at all. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. She's in this episode. Yes. Um, Yeah, I can't remember if it was here, but I did make a note of a quote where someone also says, motherhood is just some bag test designed to ensure that everyone feels inadequate. (laughs) Yes, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of true. Katrina draws a lot of parallels between her being half Chinese and Reese being trans throughout the book, which I found interesting. Reese talks about how having a baby is like the ultimate key to womanhood. And Katrina points out that she, who is a cisgendered woman, has had a miscarriage and she doesn't know if it is something that could happen to her again. And they are putting a whole lot of pressure on her body to produce a baby when it hasn't been able to do so in the past. But anyways, her point is that not being able to have a baby doesn't make her less of a woman. And she also understands a little bit about how Reese feels. Back in time, Amy and Reese have been together for a long time. When Reese runs into Stanley, her brute boyfriend from the beginning, she goes shopping with him and lets him buy her a bunch of stuff. And then she goes back to his apartment But she is clear that she has a girlfriend, even as he's undoing her pants. They don't sleep together, but Stanley creates a leash that wraps around her penis, and it's a whole thing that's highly inappropriate when in a relationship. I I was not a fan. No, I was not. I was not a fan. Uh, Come on. You have a girlfriend. And he is the worst. 
he's the worst. She knows he's the worst. And, you know, I feel like that already, for me anyways, would cross the line into cheating. Yeah. I mean, just going there. Yeah. Just stepping a problem into his apartment. That was, yeah. that was the line. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she went way over the line. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy got quite a lot of warnings about Reese and the things that she does in relationships from people when they first got together. Turns out they were right. Like, I don't know. Her situation is complex, so I just feel like I have no right to judge her decisions from where I sit, but like, she is just sabotaging herself. Right? And I just hate these kinds of stories where people are bad to each other. Yeah. Uh, Reese and Amy wanted to have a family together, and they looked into starting the adoption process, but they didn't have tens of thousands of dollars, so they opted to adopt through the foster care system. Amy was really excited when she heard about the first trans couple to be allowed to become foster parents, and she and Reese went to an information session to find out more about the process. Reese acts really weird the whole time and ends up running out at the end. And when Amy's trying to figure out what's wrong with her, Reese admits that she's been sleeping with Stanley again. I I thought that it was funny how up until this book, which this is exactly what you mentioned in the synopsis, it really came across like Amy was the reason that the relationship didn't work out. Like all of the focus was on Amy and the detransition and never, even from Reese's point of view, do we ever get any kind of accountability from her at all. We get a ton of musings on all kinds of subjects, but never once does she even hint that she's done anything wrong. And really neither does Ames come to think of it. Yeah. I thought everyone's so unlikable in this book. Like there are plenty of flawed characters that I can end up liking but really, nobody in this book was interesting enough for me to be redeemed. I didn't mind Ames most of the time, I guess, even though I thought his plan was pretty out there. But yeah, like, I could not relate to or understand these characters. I felt bad and guilty. Like, am I just not getting it because I'm a cis woman? Maybe? I don't know. But I do know that I found a lot of their characters really selfish and dramatic. They were completely selfish and dramatic. Ames was at least so for sure. Like, maybe we'll just skip ahead just a little bit. We do find out later that Amy definitely had a part in their relationship breaking down, so the responsibility doesn't lie completely with one or the other. They both refused to tell the other what they wanted, and they sought it elsewhere. Amy started sneaking off to see dominatrices and ended up leaving Reese feeling lonely for a reason she couldn't understand. Or, I mean, she could have understood if Amy had talked to her, I guess. Uh, yeah, the lack of communication trope kills me. And it kills a book for me almost every time. After Reese admits to sleeping with Stanley, Amy starts to basically track her location on her phone. She sees that she's repeatedly going to an area in the city that she normally wouldn't go to. And she's repeatedly lying about where she's been. So one day, about a month after the admission, Amy decides to follow her. Which, I, it would not be a month before I <laughs> showed up. Oh, yeah, right? Like, apparently they just never talked about it again, and Reese just kept on doing it. Like, and Ames just, like, or Amy just watched her. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand. But um, I was like, you guys have been together for five years, and we're hoping to start a family, and, like, this is what you're doing? Like, I just, I don't get it. But anyways, she catches up with them at a park and confronts Reese, who is pretty cold and removed from the whole thing. And it's just like, really? We're going to do this now? 
that made me see red. Like, yeah, obviously we're going to do this now. I, I guess Reese knew Stanley was a dangerous piece of crap. But also, what the hell, Reese? You know this guy is a dangerous piece of crap. Meanwhile, Amy is distraught. Stanley ends up getting involved, and Amy's former masculinity makes an appearance, which gets Stanley's backup, and a fight breaks out. Reese is thrown to the ground, Amy throws a punch, and then Stanley knocks her to the ground, breaks her nose, kicks her in the stomach. Meanwhile, of course, everyone around them in this crowded New York park is just watching. Stanley drives away, leaving them there. Reese tries to help Amy, but she yells at her to go away, and then she just does. <laughs> she just gets up and walks away and leaves Amy there. Luckily, someone finally comes to help Amy, and they walk her to the hospital. When Amy gets home to their apartment, Reese is a, just all blubbering and apologetic, and Amy says everything is going to be okay, but it's not. I just, Ugh. I really don't like Reese. She's a terrible girlfriend. The fact that they stayed together for any time after this blows my mind. I mean, the fact that they were together before this does too, actually. Yeah, they were together for, I think, like a month or something after this. But, I mean, the fact that despite all this, this is someone that Ames wants to raise a child with. Like, I'm not saying that I'm perfect as a parent or as a person, and people can change, but I would not look back at any of my cheating exes. Okay, my one cheating ex, and think, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna ask her to co-parent with me. Like, no. <laughs> no. Amy felt so much shame about how easily she reverted to a masculine form of herself that she didn't even know existed anymore. That she felt ridiculous being Amy now. She became very depressed, stopped taking care of herself, stopped taking her medications. Then she applied for a new job under a male name. When Reese found out, she lost it and then left shortly after. Because that's the straw. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, so there's another nail in the coffin for Reese being horrible. Like, your boyfriend just beat the crap out of your girlfriend, completely humiliated her. You left her laying in the street for some reason, she doesn't kick you out immediately, and then she is obviously struggling, obviously depressed, obviously not okay, and you leave her? Like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <sighs> uh, so, on a completely different note of someone being horrible to Ames, remember when Katrina outed him at the work dinner? Well, they've been waiting for the follow from that. Like, waiting to see if the clients that were present tell anyone else at the company, and the wait is over. Of course they told. People always tell. Usually with the precursor of, oh, but don't tell anyone else. Yeah. They always tell everyone else. So the head of HR approaches Katrina about their new bathroom policy, that they now have one gender-neutral washroom. But she's wondering if that is enough to make Ames comfortable turns out that the rumor going around the office is that Ames is actually a trans man. <sighs> Katrina is like, oh crap, what do I do? So she goes to Reese and talks to her and her friends to get some advice, and they pretty much just say, tell Ames about yeah. it. You also could have said in the, t in the time that you're talking yeah. to the HR lady, oh, by the way, that's not how it is. Let me just correct you. Right? But yeah, so Katrina and Reese have some bonding time to get to know each other a little bit. Which moves straight to them being super close, having sleepovers, and starting something close to a lesbian relationship. Okay, like, I know that I am slow to warm up to people, but, like, 
This seems really, really fast, right? I found this part of the story to be very odd, honestly. Like, it almost lost me, but, I mean, it also made me laugh a little. It almost got to the point where it was like, but wait, where is Ames in all of this? Like, are we moving towards a story where there are two moms and no Ames? Because that's what it felt like. And they even joked about him having made his, like, big contribution already. I actually think Ames would have preferred that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, actually. <laughs> um, so Reese describes this thing with Katrina as a mom crush. But I think she was confused. Like, she just keeps saying it over and over again. I'm like, um, that's not what that sounds like. <laughs> she said that she would dream about being a co-mom with her, wake up and picture both of them in different domestic scenes. And then they go baby shopping and Katrina like holds Reese's hand. I was like, way to complicate an already complicated situation even further. But Reese isn't really comfortable with it, but she doesn't know what to do about it. So she just lets her. And then Katrina lets the woman at the store believe that Reese is the one who is pregnant. And at that point, I think Reese will let her do like whatever she wants to be able to feel like that for a moment. And if it weren't for literally everything else, that would have been sweet. Yeah, alone, this was sweet. But mixed in with everything else, it was like, nice try, Katrina. You're not fooling no one. <sighs> Katrina invites Reese to an essential oil party to meet her friends. I th- has Andrew even met my friends? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's all going seemingly well, though Reese never really expected to ever be at an essential oil party with these types of women. Then Katrina casually drops into conversation that she's pregnant, and when they ask who the father is, she points at Reese, who corrects her and says they're co-mothers, but she is trans. Everyone is confused, including me. But all very polite, and they go out to a cafe after to talk more about it. Like, this was weird, right? Which part? <laughs> all of it? I I did think it was weird that she would point to the trans women beside her when they asked who the father was. Like, <laughs> misgendering your new best friend to increase the shock factor of your admission, and also kind of forcing Reese to feel like she had to come out right then to explain. Because even then, she, she did not impregnate her. So, no, like, it, like it's, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like, it was a weird thing to do. And I feel like if Katrina planned on this, like, she also should have mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Like, although, like, I guess it's not like they aren't going to have to explain it for the rest of their lives anyway. But I feel like she could have uh, done a better job of that. Yeah, although she, she kind of does a bad job in these social situations. Yeah, yeah, most of the time. At the cafe, Katrina explains it in more detail and even reveals to her friend her newfound queerness. One of her friends, Diana, is not taking the news as well as the others because her husband had an affair with a trans woman a few years ago and then was diagnosed with HIV. Hmm. Then Reese looks up and sees her boyfriend. Remember the cowboy from the beginning, who I don't actually think we mentioned? No, yeah, I guess not. <laughs> so there was a cowboy at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her boyfriend named the cowboy. Yes, he's basically Stanley 2.0. Yeah, exactly. But he doesn't look happy to see her because he's there to pick up his wife, Diana. Drama! Drama! (laughs) Yes. So (sighs) Katrina is really freaked out by the whole thing and loses it on Ames. She is freaked out about the affair and she is freaked out about the HIV. Uh, This is where that AIDS panic comes in. 
Ames goes to see Reese to get her side of the story, but ends up just being mad that once again, one of her affairs is coming between them having a family together. This is also where we find out that Katrina is now considering ending the pregnancy again. (sighs) Like, really, Katrina's reaction is a bit much, again. I was just starting to like her, and then... No. She knew about Reese's boyfriend, Cowboy Dude. She knew that she was dating a married man, and it was fine as long as she didn't know the guy. Like, I can understand feeling upset and awkward about the situation, but considering an abortion because of it and using that as a punishment? Yeah, not cool. I found I could almost like her occasionally in the book, and then, bam, no. Later, Reese is pissed and writes Ames and Katrina an email saying everything that she thinks about the situation, but she doesn't intend to send it. She states that she writes it therapeutically just to get it all off her chest, but when she wakes up in the morning, she pushes send. (laughs) She is upset that Katrina would give up over something like this when they are supposed to be signed up for life, but I feel like resending that email was doing the exact same thing. Like, no one is trying to fix the situation, no one is apologizing, no one is acting like grown-ass adults, and they expected to be parents forever? Like, okay. Yeah, it was all very high school, and maybe that was a lot of what I couldn't stand about it. Like, just everyone calm down. Yes, stop being so impulsive. Like, let things sit for a moment before making these flash decisions that really sabotage everything you want. Although no one really said anything about the email, so I'm not even really sure what the point of it was. Okay, so then Ames makes a decision that no longer involves Reese at all. He says that he will raise the baby with Katrina, but he can't guarantee that he won't retransition one day. Of course, this isn't good enough for Katrina, because how would that benefit her? Sorry, I just really dislike this character now. Yeah, don't be sorry to me. I also very much do not like her. No. But seriously, she wants to know what to expect out of life, and she wants stability, and for her that means the guarantee that Ames will stay living as a man, and if he isn't willing to do that, she is going to have an abortion. But also, she was willing to have a transgender woman be part of the relationship, and she knows that Ames is transgender. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) Anyway, this is so manipulative. Like, look at the entire situation, Katrina. I feel like the fact that she isn't going to get the future she wants is pretty clear. So why is she doing this? Yeah, I don't understand why she wants so badly to have a queer family. But the thought that Ames might retransition one day is enough to throw it all out the window. Like, we never know what to expect out of life. Anything could happen. So kind of blaming him for being transgender for her having to get an abortion Mm -hmm. is completely messed up. Uh, Katrina invites Reese and Ames to go along with her and... The book ends with them drinking tea and waiting to drive to the clinic for the abortion. (laughs) Oh, oh man. And they're all, maybe she wants us to talk her out of it? Like, I just can't even. If that's what she's doing, come on. Yeah, I do not understand at all the thoughts behind inviting Reese to the clinic. Like, this is not a group activity. Not that she shouldn't have someone there for support. Absolutely she should. But because she is using the abortion as a weapon, like, it's just cruel. Yeah. Oh, also, we completely skipped over Reese's suicide attempt. Uh, Yeah, remember how I said that I skim read sometimes? (laughs) Well, since this was a reread for me, I definitely just skimmed this whole part because it was, like, so dull. Yes. She walks out into the freezing cold lake in an attempt to numb herself to her emotional pain. That's a very simplistic way of explaining it, but anyways. 
She ends up with hypothermia, and then everyone goes to the hospital because they think she was trying to kill herself. Reese talked at length about trans women and suicide earlier in the book, so we know her opinion on that really well. And it's pretty clear she was just being really dramatic again. I believe she was in real emotional pain, but like she said, if she was trying to kill herself, she wouldn't have worn a bathing suit. She would have worn a big dramatic dress weighed down with rocks. Like, I really believe that of the character. <laughs> yeah. Ella Virginia Woolf. Yes. Definitely. Um, yeah, she talks a lot about how she was just doing the Wim Hof method of submerging yourself in freezing waters to gain better control of your body or something. Like, come on, that is not what she was doing. Not really. Or, like, when everyone was yelling at her from the shore, she would have said something like, I'm doing the Wim Hof method. I'm all good. <laughs> but instead, she just kept walking into the water like a zombie until it was over her head. Make them worry. Yes. Yeah. God. Uh, in this, like, all in all, this book read to me as just three really messed up people creating their own really messed up situation uh, that they simply made more complicated with every page. Yeah, that's not that's not incorrect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so we have some discussion questions for you guys. Once again, thanks to everyone for joining in on our Instagram discussion. We really appreciate everyone who comes and chats with us over there because it makes this so much more fun. Mm -hmm. Reese states that all women are faced with the sex in the city problem. You can either find a partner and be a Charlotte, have a career and be a Samantha, have a baby and be a Miranda, or express oneself in art and writing and be a Carrie. Do you think she's right? Why or why not? She mentions Sex in the City quite a lot in this book, so I assume that she must be a fan of the show. Like, even Sarah Jessica Parker makes a cameo. I've never seen it, but I, I can understand the idea. <laughs> I definitely wanted to say that the Sex in the City problem doesn't exist so much anymore, but I thought about it a little, and I realized that while I feel like I have taken all those options and made them mine... I also feel like I'm doing everything, but nothing super well. Like, I'm accomplishing it all, but it's definitely not at 100%. So, yeah, maybe it's a little true. Yeah, I feel you. It is an impossible balancing yeah. act. But she also says that trans women are faced with this problem, but their problem is that none of these things are really open to them, and they instead go the no-future route. I think that it's really sad to think of a group of women who don't have these same choices that other women do, and so they are just forced to exist but never really do what they want to do or fully be what they want to be, especially because the reason that none of that is available to them is because other people are assholes. It has nothing to do with them as women. It has everything to do with other people standing in their way and saying that they don't deserve it. Yeah, it sucks super hard. I don't want the Sex in the City thing to be true, but... I also think the expectations to be able to have and do it all is harmful to women. So I don't really have an answer. Yeah. If we choose one thing, then we're criticized. And if we yeah. choose them all, it's impossible. And we're criticized. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, There's no, no winning. Answer. No. Katrina says that trans people seem to be everywhere now. And maybe we are getting to a place where gender doesn't matter as much. But Ames says that it's actually the opposite. For trans people, gender actually matters so incredibly much. What do you think about this? Ames says that it's what cis people say when they think they're being open-minded. And I never really thought about it before, but it's totally true. I think that as a society, at least in my world, 
we are starting to realize that gender doesn't matter as much as we thought. And for non-binary people, this statement might be more true, but we can't lump all queer people into one statement. Gender is so important to trans people because it's such a huge part of their identity. And I think telling them that gender doesn't matter is kind of akin to saying, I don't see people's skin color. Like, you might be trying to be kind, but you're also ignoring an entire and really important part of them. 100%. I can't put it any better, honestly. Uh, AIM says that in his last year of living as a woman, he stopped being angry at how cis women treated trans women and started being angry at how they treat each other. He described them as being juvenile elephants. What did you think of this analogy? I really liked it. I'm, I mean, in a sad way. It was very sad and it broke my heart, but it was really apt. Yeah, the first time I read it, I was not expecting it, nor had I heard anything like it before. But then I found it to be actually really interesting, and I think it makes sense. A lot of times, trans women are metaphorically orphaned when their families reject them and their transition. They live hard, traumatic lives, and they don't have many trans elders to show the way because, as Ames points out, a lot of them die from HIV, poverty, violence, suicide. The essay that Ames references is actually real. Uh, maybe I'll link it. I'll link the PDF in the show notes if anyone is interested in reading it. Reese compares trans women to divorced women. She even dedicates the book to them. What do you think of this comparison? Well, as mentioned before, trans women don't have very many elders in their community to look to for guidance. Uh, Tori Peter said that she personally started seeking out the stories of divorced women because they were the closest she could get. And I can see it. Divorced women lived their lives one way for however long they were married, and they definitely thought at some point that that was their life, and that would stay their life. And then they were forced to start over and transition into a totally different life, like whether it's choice or for reasons out of their control. So I can see the comparison. I also think that it was a brave and great comparison to make because I think it kind of helps close the gap between cis and trans women. Like, we definitely have some problems that are different from each other, but we are also all women, and that comes with things that connect us. Reese wonders why Katrina would invite her to the clinic for the abortion. <laughs> why do you think that she did it? <sighs> I think she did it partly to torture Reese. Like, she was bringing Ames for support, that makes sense, and is good. There is no reason to bring Reese other than to try to hurt her, in my opinion. Like, this is the consequences of your actions, Reese. Yeah, I really can't see the point other than to be cruel. They aren't leaving that clinic friends. And what are the chances after all of it? They're going to change her mind. Very slim. Like, all of this proves that they were never friends. The only thing that brought them together and was holding them together was the baby. Without it, I don't think Reese could continue any kind of relationship with either of them. Ugh. What do you think of the open ending? Do you think that Katrina went through with the abortion? I said it before that I'm not a huge fan of open endings, and this wasn't an exception. <laughs> yeah, I usually don't mind them, but in this case, I really didn't like it either. I would have definitely preferred it to be wrapped up a little better. Tori said that she left it open because she wanted the book to open up people's ideas about what a family can look like and how if one form of a family or motherhood isn't working for you, that there are other ways. But she didn't want to, like, give the answer. I guess that's fair. It doesn't make me like it, but I guess I could understand it at least. Yeah, I can't remember how she put it, but, like, it made sense. Um, honestly, I think that Katrina goes through with it. She was always back and forth about it, 
And out of the three, she was the least invested, but I guess also the most invested, if that makes sense. Maybe the least emotionally invested, but the most physically. Like, I don't know if I'm making sense. No, I get you. Being pregnant and having a baby is no small thing. Yeah, you're right to say that. She used it as a weapon, and I think she would have pulled the trigger rather than back down. Yeah. Okay, so we really stayed close to the main plot of the book, but I loved how we had that story, and then underneath it is this whole other world that we have really only ever got glimpses of, but this book gives us a real in-depth tour. Also, there are quite a few little asides, like, I don't know, the color of the streetlights that I found to be really interesting. So there's like tons of stuff in this book that obviously we just couldn't fit in here. So that's one reason why I recommend reading it. Um, I also read somewhere that it's being adapted for TV and that she is currently writing the pilot, which is cool. Uh, There isn't a lot of information, but I'm pretty excited for it. She did say that if the show goes forward and they want to do a second season, that she'll have to decide on a less open ending. Obviously, for the story to move on, they would have to have the baby. I mean, maybe not necessarily. They could cut Katrina's character out after that season. Yeah, I guess they could cut the Katrina storyline and continue on a totally different route. I prefer that. I mean, I probably won't watch it because I like magic powers. (laughs) And I think that show would stress me out. But uh, I will once again wait to see what you say about it, uh, see if I'll like it, and then go from there. Obviously, I will be giving it a try. I just think it will be a huge opportunity for trans people, one, to have their perspective shown, and two, for trans actors. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm excited. Plus, I just love stuff set in New York, so that's another reason I enjoy this book and will enjoy the show. Um, I think that it's a really important book to have in the world, and I think that the more people who read it, the better. But yeah, it's definitely not going to be for everyone. I agree. Okay, so next month for Book Club, we are reading The Gracier by Kim Liggett? Liggett? Don't know. Leggett? One of those. <laughs> well, hopefully. <laughs> which is described as being a mix of The Hunger Games and The Handmaid's Tale. It actually sounds like it might be quite rage-inducing, to be honest, but I'm super excited to get into it. Like, love The Hunger Games, love The Handmaid's Tale, so it should be really good. We invite you to pick up a copy from the bookstore, from the library, on audio, wherever and however you get your books, and read along with us. We will host a discussion on Facebook and Instagram near the end of the month, so watch out for that. Uh, otherwise, feel free to comment on our posts or DM us about what you think about this book. You can also send us an email at best underscore book club at outlook.com. I promise to filter through the hundreds of spam slash scam email that we get to find you guys. <laughs> uh, we would love to hear your thoughts on the books we read or anything else. Like, we just absolutely love getting real legit emails from real people. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, that's all we have for you this week. So we will see you next month for Book Club. See you next month. Bye. Bye.